This is the Cattails Podcast, Food for the Journey. Season 3, Episode 2, How to Be a Great Listener. Hi, I'm Michael and welcome back to the Cattails Podcast. So we're into Season 3 now and I hope you really enjoyed Episode 1 where we're thinking about how can you form some really good habits and today we're going to be following that on with thinking how can you be a really good listener and why should you do that how can it help you how can it help your clients and your family and your people and what are the benefits for enriching the lives of everybody this is a real personal one for me i really feel strongly about this and i'm very excited to share this material with you so before we get into that i would like to say a massive massive thank you to acknowledge our sponsors for season three the masterclass sessions so if you click on the link in the show notes you can book yourself on the next masterclass session bringing world-class talent best people in the world what they do uh, to online and face-to-face sessions so the next one as time recording this is going to be in early may and steve who runs masterclass sessions very kindly as always says if you just send me a quick email, michael at kataholos.co.uk, and say, what did you like about today's episode? What was your favorite bit? They'll do a draw every month to gift you a free uh, chance to become a Masterclass member for a whole month, so you get 12 Masterclass sessions for free. Just send me a quick email. So if you like the sound of that, uh, check out the link in the show notes. So being a good listener. I did that on purpose. <laughs> um, I want to start with a quick story about my progression of how I've understood this. And I want to make a case today for why it will help you in your life and why I hope everybody helps us all. And then I want to give you 10 ways, yeah, 10 today, I've really gone for it, 10 ways to actually help you to become a good listener, or if you're already a good listener, uh, to help you to be even better or to help other people who might struggle with listening, because it's not easy, right? So what's my experience in this? So growing up, I did a lot of performing. So I was on stage, I was in bands, I'm still in a band. I did a lot of I was in plays and things like that. So you have to develop an understanding very quickly of the people that you're doing scenes with, especially if you're improvising, and being able to listen and understand what's going on, where you're at. So it's not just talking. People think you just learn your lines. It's not like that. You have to know where you fit in in the scene. Uh, If somebody makes a mistake, you have to kind of go with it and think, all right, well, that wasn't what we planned. So also being in a band and, and playing with different instruments and knowing where we're at at times in songs and things like that. Listening has been something I've been actively working on, what, 20, 25 years? Makes me sound really old. And then when I was trained as a teacher, we were taught that if you ask quality questions at the start of the lesson especially and get people to really listen to those questions, they can completely change the direction of the learning in the lesson. And it's so true. And I watched a video of this this man who was an outstanding practitioner and in two minutes an introduction of two minutes he asked 10 pertinent excellent questions and made sure that the group were listening and they create some incredible outcomes and learning so i really learned about the importance of asking questions in relation to listening and actually you know listening to the answers and clarifying where people were not understanding the answers or understanding the learning and then as i've gone into business i've learned that i need to shut up <laughs> I need to shut up and listen and really listen and everything good comes from that. And also in the work that I've done, any kind of charity work, trying to understand people and where they come from rather than telling them about yourself or telling them what to do is actually way more important. I've definitely been on a progression with this and I'd like to think now that to me, especially when I do a lot of things like public speaking and talks, the listening aspect is more important 
what you're telling me or how you are is more important than what I've got to say, you know? So that's been a progression of my understanding of listening and hope it continues to evolve. And I want to give you a really good book recommendation you can listen to (laughs) or you can read. It's called You're Not Listening by Kate Murphy. And I recently listened to this and it really affirmed me, really inspired me. And, you know, when you read or listen to a book, you think, yeah, I agree with that. I think that. It was wonderful for me to experience that book. So if you like the sound of being a good listener, it's a fantastic book. There's so much more. She goes into so much more detail and depth to help you than I can today. So check out You're Not Listening by Kate Murphy. All right, so why should you bother? What's the point, you know? Why should you be a good listener? Well, one of the strongest human needs is we all want to understand and we all want to be understood. We all want to understand the world, understand ourselves. We all want to be understood, to be affirmed, to be listened to, to have someone get me, you know, say, oh, you get me. We all want that, you know. So being a great listener will help you to understand things and people, and it will help you to be understood. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's like uh, if you're thinking about empathy, you can't understand somebody if you don't understand yourself and vice versa. So why do I love it? I just love the results it can bring, the rapport it can build. People's eyes light up. It's really special when they know you're really listening to them and that they have your full attention. It's a very special moment. It's a very, very special moment. Um, So that's why it's so important. That's why I love it. And hopefully you will too. But I want to also say before we get into the 10 ways, I want to give you a bit of a health warning. It's not easy. It's actually very difficult. It's difficult to focus for a long period of time or even a short period of time if you're intensely listening. And it can tire you out physically and mentally. It can tire you out, especially if you're dealing with people who are in emotionally challenging situations. So think about people working in care homes and the caring profession. Think about people working in medical professions. If you're a parent listening to this, oh, it's so hard, isn't it? Trying to listen rather than just half listening. If you're in business listening to your customers, you get the idea. It's not easy. It's tiring. So if you're trying to make an effort to really improve your listening, think about it like trying to get fitter. It's going to tire you out. I've actually been tireder as I'm trying to listen more. Uh, afterwards, then, why am I so tired? Oh, yeah, because you were really focusing for an hour and 45 minutes. Imagine doing a workout for an hour and 45 minutes. All right, so think of it like that. It's a mental and emotional workout. It's not easy. Um, but that's good. We like a challenge, right? That's a good thing. So these 10 points, um, 10 different ways to become a, you know, a good listener or a great listener, some of them are easier and some of them are harder. So as always, you know, I never tell you what to do. I just give you choices. So you pick the ones that suit you and you think, yeah, I'll give that a go. If you're already good, try the harder ones. If you think, hmm, I'm struggling already, do the easy ones, right? All right. So the first one. The first one is to be an active listener, not passive. You're not just waiting for your turn to talk. You're not just sat there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, my turn, right? Active listening is actually a term that was coined by Carl Rogers. I love Carl Rogers. Carl Rogers and Richard Farson as back as 1957. So, you know, some of us in business think this is just a, you know, a gimmick that's been used for the last 20, 30 years. It's not. It's been around for a good while. And I'm paraphrasing here. But what it is, in summary, is when they say it's to get inside the speaker, so the person you're listening to, to grasp from their point of view just what they're communicating with you. Right, so let's look at that. You're trying to get inside almost like the mind or the heart of the speaker. You're trying to understand and grasp their point of view. And you're trying to see what are they actually communicating to you. All right, so what you're basically trying to say to them is like, you matter to me. I'm listening to you. I'm trying to understand you. And with everything we're doing today to help you with that, if you just use that as your guiding principle, you won't go far wrong. Meaning how you listen and the techniques you use or what you do, or what you don't do, 
right? As long as you're not hurting the person, you can kind of do what you want. It's just, are you seeking to understand them? Like I said before, you know, seeking to understand. As long as you're doing that, they'll pick up on that and you'll be fine. So one of the best ways I've found to kind of ease you into active listening, because it's not easy, is that you think, well, what do I actually do? Uh, do I just sit there? Do I look at them? What do I do? There's lots of different ways. When I did some mental health first aid training, I was shown the, it's called the listening wheel and it's used by the Samaritans. So Samaritans are a fantastic organization. Example, people who professionally listen to people who are struggling. They don't tell them what to do. They listen and they help people. So they create this thing. Well, I don't know if they created it, but I saw it used by the Samaritans called the listening wheel. So you might want to try this. Imagine if you had like a circle split in half and then again into thirds, twice into six. And you can draw yourself a little listening wheel if you want. I'd recommend it. Or just Google the listening wheel and they've got free PDFs. So one, one of the ways is open-ended questions. How, what, where, who, and why. They're much better for getting a really good conversation going and then listening rather than yes or no. Close questions, you know. We have to be careful. I don't want to get too technical. But we have to be careful we don't ask leading questions such as, this sounds terrible, am I right? As opposed to, how does this sound to you? Can you hear the difference? So we want them to be open and expansive. You can summarize what somebody said. It helps to show the person listening that you've understood them and their circumstances and their feelings. So you might just say, you know, a little sentence of what they said back to them. And then equally, you can reflect. You can repeat a word or a phrase back to the individual and say, you know, so it sounds hard or that sounds great. You encourage them to to carry on and expand. You can clarify as well. That's really important, especially in business. If you've listened badly and you've got the figures, the numbers, the problems wrong, that's not good. So don't ever worry about clarifying saying, can I just ask or can I just make sure? I just want to clarify. I just want to make sure I really understood you. I just want to make sure I really heard you right. You know, can I just ask you? Get them to clarify and they'll, they'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'll say it again. It's very rare that you ha- if you say that to somebody, they'll say, well, you weren't listening. Because just by the fact that you're clarifying, you're showing that you're actually trying to listen properly. You can use short words of encouragement. You know, that kind of, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, sure, go on. Again, you know, don't make it forced. Don't make it fake. You just, you'll naturally do that, you know. But they work because if you're just sat in silence for 20 minutes while someone else is talking, they might feel a bit awkward, right? So it's to encourage them. And you can react. Now, reaction doesn't mean your personal opinion and telling them what to do. Say, oh, that's brilliant. I think you're amazing. It's more saying things like, oh, that sounds very difficult. Or that sounds really impressive. Or that sounds, you know, this way and that. So you're giving some kind of reaction because... There's a reason why people call it the art of conversation. It's not a science, you know? There's a give and take. Sometimes they go left field and you're not expecting it. It's all part of your listening journey. Okay, the second way you can be a really good listener, I try, is a lot simpler. So if that first one scared you off a bit, don't worry. Second one is just really simple. Don't interrupt people. Don't interrupt people when they're talking. Again, I learned this on stage. If you make somebody laugh and the audience laughs, the worst thing you can do is to go into the next line and, and kind of, shut them up and they stop laughing. They're like, oh, um, <laughs> oh, oh, I can't laugh anymore. So I had this once, I walked on stage and I said something and the audience laughed and I wasn't expecting it. I just had to stand there. It's quite awkward. I had to stand there and just let them laugh. But it worked, you know. So I'm really working on this. I've been actively working on in the last few weeks, actually, trying to not interrupt people. I became aware of it when I was doing an emotional intelligence questionnaire. And one of the things it said was, I never interrupt people. And I thought, I do actually. I need to work on that. So I actively made it a focus and realized that when I did it was actually when I was really getting on with somebody and we're having a positive conversational meeting and I wanted to just, you know, add my bit and add my bit and make them feel good. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I really pay attention to this now, especially on, say, Zoom calls or face-to-face. If I cut them off, even if it was to affirm or add something positive, I saw their light in their eyes just dim a little. 
And I know that sounds really picky, but I could see that it actually had had a negative impact rather than a positive one. I know it's been really picky, but it matters, right? So again, I've had some longer conversations recently where I've listened more and not interrupted. And have they taken longer than they could have if I'd interrupted more? Yeah. But were they worth it? Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> just watch out for that. Try not to interrupt people. Which leads on to the next one. Number three is to be comfortable with silence. Again, you see what I did there, right? I'm not talking about if you're doing a radio interview or a Zoom meeting or something like that. I'm talking about a face-to-face -face meeting or maybe, maybe a Zoom meeting online. Not when you're making content. I don't mean make content and just do nothing. I'm saying if somebody's, especially if they're disclosing something very powerful, or very important or very difficult, there's something in the silence. Again, going back to that original definition about active listening, that's like, hmm, yeah, I'm creating a space for you here rather than we're just filling it with stuff. If you think about music, if you have a really good beat, right? Really, something really, I don't know, something really funky. It's the gaps that make the funk and make it groovy. It's not just the notes like da 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 da, -da. It's the da, da 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 It's the gaps, right, that make the rhythm. So you want people to be comfortable talking with you, you know? So again, depending on where you live in the world, some people are very comfortable with silences. Some people, after one to two seconds, they feel really awkward. But again, if you can help people to feel comfortable with silence around you or together, that's building blocks, real intimacy that. Think about a good friend or you know, your partner or your children. If you can be you know, with them and not say anything, you actually feel really good, don't you? Rather than I have to think of something to say, you know, or the other person has to fill the silence. So try and be comfortable with that. And if you really struggle with that, just challenge yourself. Try a, a one seconder, a two seconder, a three or four. You see what I'm trying to say? It's not about you feeling comfortable, it's about the other person feeling comfortable, right? That's the third one. The fourth one is another recommendation for you. And it's a man called Chris Voss, V-O-S-S. And he is a former hostage negotiator for the FBI. And he wrote a really good book, which I'd recommend reading or listening to, called Never Split the Difference. And what Chris has taught me, there's so much he's taught me about being a good listener, and I'd recommend you know read, reading the book, going to Chris first, but a couple of things I'd like to share with you. Imagine the kind of conversations he's trying to have. He helps you to understand that hostage negotiators and when you're in negotiations, it's not about saying the right thing or trying to influence the person. It's about opening a line of communication and saying, you know, I'm here for you and I hear what you're saying and I'm trying to help you. So it's about listening intently and trying to help the person to understand, I'm trying to see where you're coming from. And there are two techniques which he uses, which I'd, I definitely recommend, there's loads, but calibrated questions and what he calls labels. So a calibrated question, if you calibrate something, it means you get something ready towards the result. So a calibrated question, it's like um, an open-ended question, but it's more geared towards guiding someone towards giving you a response. So one of the, the best ones he used to use was, what are you up against here? It's very open-ended, but you can hear how it's calibrated where it suggests that the person is up against something, which also kind of suggests informally that I'm here for you, I'm not I'm not up against you. And I'll say, what are you up against here? Where it sounds like you're up against a lot, you know? Uh, and what that does is that opens that person to then respond. So those calibrated questions are very, very powerful. So think about how could you ask calibrated questions to kind of say to somebody, I'm here for you, I'm on your side. And then he lets the person talk and he listens and he asks follow-up questions. And then he, he'll use labels. Now, by labels, I don't mean saying you're tall or you're small or whatever. Uh, he'll say, very soft one, he'll say, 
oh, it seems like this, or it sounds like this. So he'll say something like, oh, it seems like you're angry. You know, and he's labelled that person as angry, but he's done it very gently, in a very informal, soft way, saying, well, it seems like you're angry rather than, I think you are angry. And if the person goes, yeah, that's it, then he'll go, great, I think I've understood you. Or if they say, no, no, not at all, he'll say, oh, I'm sorry, it just seemed that way. You can hear there's no personal at all. It's not, I think this, you are this way. And I found that really, really helpful in helping to take a bit of the emotion out of listening. Because sometimes when we're in these conversations with people and they're emotionally upset or they're charged, the worst thing we can do is to listen and then respond with an emotional reaction as well. We take the emotion out of it, try and calm everything down and bring it to a kind of a level of understanding and almost gentleness then good things can come from that. So yeah, make sure that you check out Chris Voss and his book, Never Split the Difference, and try using that combination of calibrated questions and labels. And he just describes a label and that use of it as um, a response. It's like a verbal a verbal response, really. So if you remember from the last episode, I want to include something a little bit different in season three every episode. So we've got another random positive fact, but it's not it's not random today. It's, it's totally linked into what we're talking about. Now, this is something to make you smile. Did you know there is a superhero with a hearing aid and he's called Blue Ear. So Google Blue Ear. It was created by Marvel Comics to encourage a little boy to wear his hearing aid so that he could look at the comics and go, oh, that, that superhero is just like me. How cool is that? So check out Blue Ear. He's a superhero with a hearing aid. I just think the way they did that was just so inclusive and Brilliant. Literally the definition of active listening. We're hearing you and your problems. We want to help you. All right, so let's move on into number five. So apparently your attention span these days is eight seconds. So if you've lasted 20 minutes with me, you're above average, right? I don't believe a lot of that in terms of it's just a fixed thing. If you go back into season two, I talked about the difference between your potential and your capacity. So your current capacity might be eight seconds of attention. doesn't mean it's your potential. It's not the same thing. Your potential is totally amazing. So let's tap into your potential. It is easy to zone out when people are talking, right? We all do it. I do it. It's very you know, difficult to listen for a long period of time. Here's something you can do. Listen to a piece of music, so a song, but listen to it all the way through. Don't just skip to your favorite bits or you know skip through. Listen to a piece of music and properly listen all the way through. Pay attention to it. And what you're doing is you're training your focus and your attention. And once you've done that, try listening to an album all the way through. And what you're doing is you're going from song to album. So you've gone from, say, three, four minutes to, I don't know, 40 minutes. You don't have to listen to it in one go, but you could you know be listening to that album that day, right? And then you can go into a full collection. So I tried this as a listening experiment with one of my favorite bands who are called Rush. So if you like rock, heavy, melodic, amazing music, check out the Canadian rock, rock trio Rush. They're so good. They've got so many albums. And I said, huh, I'm going to go through from their first album in the 70s all the way through till their most recent album in 2010, I think it was, as a listening experiment. And it took, I think, like a week and a half, two weeks. It was incredible because I was focusing over a longer, longer period of time and expanded my understanding of what it meant to really listen. So try that. It's a way of, it's a fun way. Just pick music you like, right? It's a fun way of training your attention span. The sick thing is kind of linked into that. It's about thinking about what has been said between conversations and meetings and linking that into future ones. So for example, somebody tells you some really cool news about them, they want a new client, and then the next meeting you have with them, you say, how's that new client? What you're doing there is going back to that definition, you're saying, I like you, I'm invested in you, I've listened to you, I've 
like you so much that I've remembered what you said and I'm going to bring that into the future conversation. I've stored something you said, I remember, you know. And, and what that does, it starts to link conversations, professional or personal, so that you're building relationships there through the listening. So the listening is not like an isolated moment of just, I listened and what was the point of that? You've built something. It's quite powerful that. So think about that, the last time you spoke to somebody and it was just like we've never, no time has passed. That's what we want. That's real rapport building through listening. Number seven, I wanted to give you a bit more, not a framework, but a bit more guidance on open-ended questions. Because again, you might be sat in there going, some of this stuff's a bit complicated. Well, let's make it easy for you. Let's make it super easy for you. If you're talking about having open-ended questions to either open a conversation or during a conversation, or you know, it's your turn to say a little something, these are some of the main ones. What, when, where, which, if, and why. Now, depending on how confident you are, you could almost rank them from easy, meaning easy to ask and easy for that person to respond. So I would say this is the order from easiest and finishing the hardest. Easiest is what, then when, then where, then which, then if, then why. So these are really good, especially for networking and building relationships. If you ask a what question, it's so easy. You know, um, what have you enjoyed today? Or what's been going well for you this week? Really, really easy one. When and where the same, which starts to get a bit more complicated or, or deeper. You're saying, oh, which is uh, your favorite client right now? Which is, which is your best project out of those three you mentioned that you're really enjoying the best? Once you get to if, you're starting to go even more deeper. You know, you say, well, if this happened, would this be good for you? Or if this happened, would that be better? You know, you think about sales conversations, you're trying to find the value for the person. And why is a lot deeper? Please don't start a conversation with just saying, well, why are you like that? <laughs> you know, or why are you running your business? Or why are you here? It's very poorly chosen and badly executed, right? Why is uh, there deeper questions? And again, think of the person who's responding to you. You can't just ask a, a rubbish question and then listen and put them you know, on, on the spot. That's not good listening. You set them up to fail there, so don't do that. Set them up to succeed. Um, so they're really, really good, especially for building rapport and real rapport, not just fake stuff. You're asking questions for the sake of it. So I'm gonna use an opening question. One of the best definitions I heard of listening recently was when somebody said to me, it's entertaining the possibility in that moment that you might be totally wrong about everything and you're, you're willing to learn from that person. You know, and something that they say might change your mind or that you might take that information and do something with it. It's not just not talking. It's powerful, isn't it? Number eight is to set your intentions beforehand. People can pick up on vibes in meetings. Again, talking about my dog, Kochi. You know, it's like a dog. People pick up on your vibe. If you've been well prepared for that meeting, you've, I don't know, even written down some questions to ask, or people know why the meeting exists or why, you know, why the conversation exists, it's gonna be really good. Are you there just to listen as a friend? Are you there to offer advice? Are you there to learn from that person? Is that person there to learn from you? Are you there to qualify value? You know, why are you talking? There's no point, you're just there as friends. Great, knowing that beforehand will help you to relax because there's nothing worse than trying to force a conversation into a direction it's not going, you know, or try, people try and get results and action items. If they're part of the agenda and part of the intentions, cool. If they're not, you imagine somebody trying to sell to you when you're not up for it, or somebody trying to force you to do something you don't wanna do. It's terrible, isn't it? So we don't want to do that. We want to set good intentions. And again, if you've got good intentions for those people, going back to that thing, you're actively trying to grasp where they're coming from, what they're communicating, you're not going to go far wrong. Okay, two more. Number nine, listening beyond words. What does that actually mean? Well, as you start to get more confident with this, you start to understand that listening just is a form of paying attention, which is like a form of mindfulness. So you can listen to pictures, videos, content. Again, go back to that definition we used at the start. 
what's it saying? What's the message? You know, if you go to an art gallery, go there and stare at a picture. What's it saying? What's it? Can you listen to it? So listening can be beyond words. Again, think about music. There's no words there, but you're listening to it and it evokes emotions, you know? So if you're looking at some data for your business, listen to it. What's it saying? You know, what's the message there? Can you understand it? The last one I think is very important, and that's why I've saved to last number 10. It's when you're listening, it's to look after you and look after the other person. Be calm and be kind. Be calm and be kind. Because from initial meetings to hostage negotiations, there's over 7 billion of us in the world, right? There's only one of you. And a lot of people are going to dislike you or your opinion, and you're going to disagree with their opinion. And that's all right. You know, I don't believe we should just hang out with people we like who feel like us. That's a waste of a life. But what I'm trying to say is if you're talking to somebody or listening to somebody and you don't agree with them and you don't particularly like them, that's difficult for you and for them. So what I'm saying is don't close your ears and close your heart. Allow them some space to have their opinion. You know, don't take anything they're saying personally towards you. Even if it's something you really feel strongly about, allow them to feel safe in that conversation to express their opinion. One of the best things I've seen in any kind of social justice and social change are when people who don't agree come together and just talk and listen. And amazing things can come out of that. So what I'm trying to say is be calm and be kind. Don't let yourself get angry or don't reach out to hurt the person. There's nothing worse than somebody thinking they're safe with you for you to listen to them and then you suddenly go on the offensive against them. That's not cool. So what I'm trying to say is if you're listening to somebody and you think, I really don't like what they're saying, okay, that's fine. It's your opinion. Perfectly entitled to that, but stay calm in that moment to look after you. Because like we said before, real listening can be emotionally tiring. I've learned that from working with children. If I reacted to every child that was freaking out in the class, I wouldn't last it very long. It gets easier. People say, I'm not very patient. I just get hot-headed. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. And then again, people start to realize, huh, they're just listening. They just want the best for me, which is part of the conversation. All right, so quite a long one today. I wanted to really give you some sort of substance and depth you know, for you to listen to. <laughs> because if even just one of these things helps you, it will help somebody else and the effect can be huge. Here's a nice way to finish with it. If you listen to somebody properly, you don't know just how much good you've done. It's a really lovely thing. It really, really is. All right, so I hope this has been helpful for you. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. And as always, we say at the end, don't we? Just remember two things, you know, just pick one thing from today. You've got 10. Pick the easy one, pick the hard one, check out the books, whichever you want to do. And the second thing is, regardless of where you're at in your listening journey, someone somewhere loves you very much, just the way you are. Okay, take care and speak soon.